0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by LaCrosse Boots. The LaCrosse Alpha Burley Pro is 100% waterproof from top to bottom. They're great for crossing creeks and walking through wet grass. As we all know, if your foot becomes wet during a hunt, you might as well call that hunt over. Pick up a pair of Alpha Burley Pros today and check out their website at lacrossefootwear.com. Hey.
1: Well, this is another Land and Legacy podcast. I am your host, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. And we have a special guest with us today in a very special place. And we're very excited for this podcast. We have Mr. Ryan
2: Kirby. Ryan. Tell us what you do. Glad to be here, fellas. Um, so I am a uh, wildlife artist and graphic artist. Um, grew up here in Hancock County, Illinois, where we're at right now. Live in Boone, North Carolina with my wife and our little boy. And um, I do wildlife art, a um, lot of branding and print work with uh, outdoor brands and mm-hmm. people in the outdoor industry. So, so how can people find your work? RyanKirbyArt.com. There you go. We plugged a it right away. I man. like it. <laughs> yeah. What about the... Uh, uh, your social media. Uh, social media, Instagram is my is is what I like best. So Instagram at Ryan Kirby Art, and then you can also see Facebook and Twitter too, and YouTube. Perfect. But nice. Instagram is my best. I would
1: encourage all of our listeners to go check it out. Um, I get fascinated every time I see your work, especially your sketch dailies. Just uh, every time I see them, I just don't, it's like I stop and I just admire it because I, as a child, I was a uh, I drew all the time, so I can appreciate. I of course not anywhere near your quality, but I can appreciate seeing just stuff that's like, oh my gosh, the, the details you add to those. So everybody listening, go check it out. It's so it's the some of the best scenes you'll see in the in the uh,
3: artistic world. So I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's it's cool to see one this, just the sketch daily is just a creative idea to do. But I like how you've just incorporated into sharing it. Yeah, you know it, yeah. it helps you practice right. Yeah, with body posture and all this stuff, but. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, that's so good!" It's, it's, so uh, cool.
2: it's, um, it's a it's it's a skill that uh, it takes a long time to hone, and I'm not near where I want to be, but I'm I'm getting there. But what I what I started doing is, I I found myself getting so busy doing client work and hitting deadlines mm. and everything, especially through the fall, that um, there was one time I looked up and I, I hadn't drawn or painted in two months. Oh wow! And I was like, "Man, I can't I can't let that go yeah. on." So I just decided that I was going to sketch every day and post them on, on Instagram and. Um, uh, it it really when I started doing it, it you know people really enjoyed it, um, and I enjoyed it. It makes me better, but then it kind of held me accountable because it's like sure. oh, I gotta do my people are expecting
3: yes, yeah, yeah, right, you know, yeah. But,
2: yeah. But um, it uh, you know, and on days when. You know, uh, life can get demanding, I'm hitting deadlines and clients and I feel like I'm on everybody else's schedule and on their priorities. I sit down at the end of the night and I draw whatever I want to. Mm. And sometimes it's a bullfrog, sometimes it's a whitetail buck, you know, yeah. some a lot of times during during uh turkey season I sketch turkeys and uh, and deer I sketch deer and all that. But Yeah. You did um, a few
1: quail this did you mm-hmm. actually did some finished some paintings and, mm-hmm. and did those this past year. That was really I
2: yeah. know you love painting those feathers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tur- strutting turkey feathers are, are a grind sometimes, yeah, but um, uh, no. A lot of times when I do a painting, I'll I'll do my sketch daily is around that because mm-hmm. um I work from reference photos a lot. It doesn't matter how good of a reference photo you have. A lot of times there's anatomy things that need tweaked or kind of refined, or uh, I can't see how this leg really works, so I'm gonna sketch it and kind of draw and it, get it get it, get my head wrapped around it before uh, before I go to paint. So yeah. and it's just it's just like anything it's um um it it helps you to evaluate shapes and 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 anatomy and form Mm -hmm. um and it's a little bit of practice every day i found is way better than sitting down for nine hours and saying i'm gonna learn how a deer's leg works you know just then so
1: interesting how Um, long would it take you to do one
2: of your sketch dailies um 20 to 30 minutes usually depending on size they're usually pretty small and i and i like to keep them small and fun and loose and and uh 20 minutes 30 yeah. minutes tops man
1: I, I when i see that a I, I picture in my head how long
3: would it take me to do that at least fifth hour and sixth hour and probably part <laughs> of seventh hour and i'd have like the uh, eraser shavings everywhere yeah no yeah. doubt yeah yeah it's uh, uh,
2: red cedars aren't that hard to draw i'm sure you can yeah. draw some cedars. <laughs> they, have to, how be, they have to be
1: laid over flat <laughs> yeah. with chainsaw yeah. dust everywhere yeah. yeah yeah for sure so Ryan, we I don't remember how long ago it was we met, but it's just been kind of admiring your work over the years, but just recently you kind of we've been in touch and you've talked about listening to the podcast, but you kind of acquired you you you're from Illinois, but you live in North Carolina, mm-hmm. but you kind of had this idea of owning land one day and uh you made that possible.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Tell me a little bit about that.
2: Well, um, I grew up on a farm here. Mom and Dad started with 56 acres um, in Hancock County and slowly, you know, grew their family and grew their farm and um, uh, bought two more pieces. And now I think it's up to like 160 around there, in there. Um, so, you know, land has, uh, has, has always been in my blood. And, and from, you know, every hunter dreams of owning their own piece of dirt. Oh, and, yeah um, it's, it's been a dream of mine, not just, you know, watching my parents grow up and, and, and work on the farm and, and, uh, that kind of gets in your blood, but also the idea of having a place that I can call my own. And, uh, uh, we were talking about it earlier. I really love the idea of, you know, just like a a piece of art is a blank canvas. You can, you can create something taking a a 40 acre square, uh, which is what we have here and, um, and, and creating what you want with it. And, and, uh, you know, thinking about what it could be, what you could do with it, uh, just picturing deer running through here and turkeys in the, in the food plots and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's, a, it's a really unique uh, opportunity I bought, uh, I bought through my buddy Tyler Sellens, who's an agent here, and uh, I haven't seen it yet. Um, until right. till this past week. I bought it sight unseen, and um, it was a good property. There's a lot
3: of trust there in Yeah, yeah.
2: and he, he's known, him and I have kind of worked together for like a year. We've yeah. looked at several together, and he kind of knew what I was looking for and right. the acreage and the price range and, and um and the neighborhood and right. one thing that i love about this piece is is how it lays it's mm-hmm. kind of in the guts of everything yeah when you, when you zoom out on a map and um so that was uh one of the things that i really enjoyed about this piece Right. yeah so
1: when you look at the google earth it's like there's a bunch of fingers that feed out yeah it's almost like a chain of rivers but then they all come back to the main lake, and yeah. that's where it's you're like at. It's yeah. like X
3: marks the spot kind of yeah. when you look at it. You're like, ah, eh, if I were to hunt here, if, if it was like public ground, right, you're looking at you know, scouting from afar. You're mm-hmm. like, well, I'd, I'd want to be there. And that's kind of this 40-acre yeah. chunk, which yeah. is cool. It's cool to have.
2: Yep. And so I, you know, looked at some maps, and Tyler had had walked it. And actually, um, we had talked about it before, and I bought it the day that it listed. So, oh, wow. Yeah. And there's already been a couple other people that wanted to buy it after me. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The 40-acre the sections go, go pretty quick sure. um, here in the Midwest.
1: So. And that kind of goes with the trend that so many guys – I mean, we, we did a podcast not long ago with the guys on the Element podcast that they were really asking us about since our real estate background and, and just seeing all the different land is how can a guy buy his own dirt? How can he buy his first farm? Mm-hmm. And we said it on as you think about it, you always – you're like your dream – is to own a big ranch but you can't just get that overnight sometimes it's acquiring the little pieces Mm -hmm. doing the work making a great investment on it taking the benefit or the profit from that investing in a little bit bigger farm and just kind of slowly yeah chipping away yeah yeah doesn't happen overnight yeah rome was not built in a day (laughs) and so i'm sure up here is you have so much crop ground which goes for buku's of money and there's not really any hunting and in a cut soybean field so you go to these timber lots and and you buy it and you don't have big wood lots Mm -hmm. in a lot of places so you you buy what you can and you try to so i'll be interested to watch this unfold oh yeah we walked it today but i'll I'll be interested to see a little
3: more work this afternoon
1: how much you fall in love with it or if you start going trying to go bigger and yeah yeah and uh but man either way it's going to be an awesome property to hunt and it's 40 acres so many guys are hunting pieces like that and it's Mm -hmm. I mean you think about it we walked it we're trying to find okay let's get a stand for every wind and I think we got there yeah and not only are they just a stand it's not like one cigar hole stand it's they're all really good stands
3: absolutely yeah you've got quality stands you can come you know during the rut when you're going to be here um and and most likely be successful Mm -hmm. or or, you know at least see deer having opportunities on any type of wind yeah that's what everyone every hunter wants on a property show up and have some success take something home with them
1: for sure so going back to the like the artistic world which dream came first the dream of being an artist or the dream of owning land
2: oh owning land first yeah (laughs) yeah i mean um we were talking about this the other day when i was in i don't know kindergarten or second grade they they um asked all the kids what they wanted to be when they grow up. And a lot of kids were, uh, uh, firemen or, you know, baseball players and stuff. And I said, I wanted to be a farmer like my dad. There you <laughs> and go. so, there you go. uh, my career right. path didn't, didn't go that direction, but, mm-hmm. um, but it, you know, it's all come full circle and, and, um, and even, even watching mom and dad, um, you know, dad checks the weather all the time, like mm-hmm. a lot of farmers do. And, you know, I have a food plot here and, you I end up checking the weather, you know, yeah. like I want to see if I got rain in my food plot and my, my family doesn't depend on that, you know, like he sure. did. But, um, you know, you you just you have something to take pride in. You're and, managing and different you resources. Work. Yeah. But you're yeah.
3: still you still rely and depend on rain and this type of weather and it's up yeah. to come. And yeah, you're you're taking ownership of the land and responsibility and tracking all that stuff yeah. and keeping up with it.
1: Yeah, I have that but app climate field view which registers the rainfall for your farm so like after the storm passes i'm just like refresh 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 <laughs> How much did I we got an inch of rain <laughs> and so i don't have to even well i still do it just because i enjoy the conversation but my granddad lives about 10 miles south of i guess it's not even 10 miles yeah. probably less than that of my family farm so and he's got the rain gates it's like when he first got it he would say i got 64 one hundredths of an inch today <laughs> it's like 64 and let me you add that think about that for yeah. a second yeah and so I still call him like, how much rain did you get? And he said, well, it says uh whatever <laughs> whatever it is, and I and I look at the app and I'm like, that's pretty darn close. Yeah. So, yeah, it, you definitely uh, it's interesting, but you're always watching the weather, just like the old
2: farmers do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, uh, I didn't. So I I when I graduated college up here, I had a degree in graphic design and multimedia. Um, and I went to work for the national Wild Turkey Federation mm-hmm. in, um, in South Carolina. And then, you know, long story short, Kim and I ended up in Boone and, and I've been out on my own about six years. So the, the art career sort of developed more gradually and I right. could have never predicted that we'd live in North Carolina and I'd be buying a place back home in Illinois, yeah. but you yeah. know, the, just how it works out mm-hmm. sometimes. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but I've been on my own for about six years. Um, you know, live, uh, work in the in our in our basement right now. Yeah. I've got our whole basement, and uh, so I do studio a lot basement. of print work. And I've got my studio set up there, and uh, that's kind of headquarters in the mountains of North Carolina.
3: That's a pretty pretty scene, then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really uh, is, it, and it's really a gorgeous is. area. It is. It truly is.
1: But I bet it's a haul after a week-long hunt in Illinois. Back yes. home. Yes, <laughs>
2: yes. It's uh, anywhere between a 12 and 13-hour drive. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh,
3: and I just probably a little shorter on the way up. Yeah, it's a lot shorter <laughs> on the way up. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, the best
2: I ever did at one time. I stopped one time for gas, and That's and impressive. just paced it out. And I had to, you know, I rolled in on fumes, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. went basically twelve hours on yeah. one take. Rolled of gas. in on fumes. Wow. Or Two takes. Couldn't
1: even get to the stand in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, 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 had to Dad, walk the rest d- of the Dad, day. You got, <laughs> any, you got any? gas in here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm so, not you started out, when did you start kind of like when you graduated college, you go straight to the NWTF? Yeah. Yeah. Oh.
2: And, um, and over, you know, I was there for seven years total. Um, and I really just kind of built some freelance as mm-hmm. I went and I had a lot of, uh, co-workers and friends that would go work for other agencies or other companies. And they eventually they started kicking back freelance work to me. Yeah. So my biggest base of connections and clients really came from the first year that I was working at That's the Turkey awesome. Federation. So yeah. you know it's very it's a it's a big industry on the outside, but it's very small once you get in there. Definitely. Um, you know I've been fortunate enough to have some really good contacts and connections mm-hmm. and friends that I made. So yeah, helped where, me a lot when I first started. Oh
1: yeah, uh, where did you go to college at?
2: Bradley University in okay. Peoria, Illinois. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. So
1: your first big move was from Illinois
2: to. Graduated South- um, on a Saturday, and Monday was um,
3: driving Moving down day. to. I had yeah. the same H- thing. Field. Yep. Yep. Well, that was a really good um, a piece of advice for people who are always wondering about, you know, getting started in any type of career is networking, the power of networking. Yeah. How, how do yeah. I get started? How do I get, you know, into that game, um, whatever the field is? But that is the power of networking yeah. and finding and those people, those connections and, and just honing them. The th-
2: you know, the people always say it's not about, you know, what you know, but who you know. But it also matters what those people think of you. You the know, quality of work, and that so you, put you out. have to do quality work Absolutely. every step along the way, and it's no different than you guys doing consulting. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's a verse in the 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 Bible says, "Be faithful in the little things," and he who who excels at his work will stand before kings. And I've always yep. believed that. But taking care of the little things. I mean, when I first started, there were some slow times when I was out, and I did my best work on everything, every oh, yeah. little project. And I still to. try to, yeah. you know, to to do that, but like. If you know, it doesn't matter if you guys are like you guys are doing consulting for your first twenty acres. Like, mm-hmm. you do a gut job, good job on that first twenty acres, and like it'll it'll lead to other stuff. Absolutely. Um. So, but to you know, to always keep doing good work and and uh, uh, you know maintain those connections and and treat everybody right. That's so. right. The golden Bingo. rule.
1: Yep. Treat yep. everybody with yep how you want to be treated. My my granddad used to run. I don't know if you guys have them up here. I know they're in Southern Iowa, but in Missouri we have the MFAs. And uh, it's like a farmer Missouri Farmers. I think it's Missouri Farmers Association, but that's where he worked. Like, yeah. Co-op. Yeah, it's like a co-op. Yeah. It's like a co-op store. Basically, you go and you get your feed and whatever. It's like a feed store, and with everything else. And he ran that in Podunk, Mansfield, Missouri, where I was, and sold millions of dollars worth of sales every year. And uh, it's like, how do you do that around here? And he's like. My rule was always you treat everybody the exact same way. So if you have ten acres or a thousand acres, if yeah. you ordered, if you were third in line to get your fertilizer, you got it third in line. There mm-hmm. was no favorites. Everybody, he said that just f- transpired over to where every farmer respected him and came brought him the yeah. business. So, yeah,
2: it's definitely
1: what you got to do. That's what the got
2: to get start on the right foot. There's a secret mm-hmm. to success. Yeah, and <laughs> it's something you learn in a small town too, because uh-huh. like everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: and um. You know, you never know. Good word, tra- good work travels, but bad work travels faster. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
3: It really does. <clears throat> That's for sure.
1: Um, so, NWTF, mm-hmm. you're there for mm-hmm. six years. You said seven total. Seven yeah. years total, and then you started on yeah, your started own. Yeah, started on my yeah. own. So, what is that like? I know you do the paintings, mm-hmm. and what else kind of stuff that you do? That that kind of, uh, I guess, your passion outside of just the art.
2: Just the art? Yeah. You mean as far as like hunting and, yeah, fishing yeah, and stuff yeah. or what? Yeah. Uh well when I was young I was obsessed with fishing. But then hmm. hunting kinda kinda took over. Um and then through college I didn't really hunt all that much and, and got started started again um a lot after I graduated. Yeah. Um but that that's always been um that's always been a constant in my life the whole yeah. time. And it's something I've always been passionate about. I always Probably overthink it and overwork
1: it. You know, and I think uh, we can all it, say we're guilty of that. <laughs> yeah. We're we're guilty of that. Just I mean, today. we do a, we do a podcast. talking about it, right? We worked this 40, 40 acres, and it took us how, how long? Probably four hours. Yeah, to yeah. walk around everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were like, <laughs> we uh, go that tree. tree. I don't know about that tree. Let's a little keep bit of looking a lean there. And and it's <laughs> like, this one here. Yeah, and to think that people that don't hunt would try to picture what we just did this morning and go you did what
3: yeah. like <laughs> it's a tree man it's yeah. green it's got bark that
1: yeah it. and it it's got a little bit of a lean what 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 does that even mean yeah for sure I, to me you said something that I'm, I'm curious about because i grew up in the ozarks with the streams and so there mm-hmm. was all kinds of fishing around here where did you said you were in love with fishing what did you fish oh, around it's here it's total farm ponds we, okay. we mm-hmm. had three
2: on our farm that are Probably less than a half. I mean, quarter of an acre, half an acre. Yeah. A um, couple golf course ponds, uh, and then some. Some other friends had farm ponds, but we. I mean, we'd fish the same pond for six eight hours at a time. Oh wow! You know, yeah. Just hardcore. And, uh, yeah, I remember mm. um, <laughs> when uh, spinner baits got big. Oh yeah. Of course, yeah. a lot of uh, you know a lot of the oh sorry the uh, the the ponds around here. Um, they've got. Real clean banks, and mm-hmm. most of them are perfect, you know, egg shapes. Yep. Just because they're farm ponds, and they're, you know, they may have cows in them or something like that, and and they were man-made, you know. Um, but I remember I would take a spinner bait and I'd cast it one time. And then I would walk around the edge of the pond with my arms stuck out like trolling around the, s- uh. the pond, <laughs> and it didn't matter if I I may walk around the pond once or seven times, but I'd catch fish, so I could tell everybody I I made like eight casts and I caught eight fish, but like that's made one hilarious. cast and then walked around the pond trolling it the whole time. But we—that's a new f- technique. I've I've never, I've heard, never
1: that. heard of trolling on a pond. Well, that's yeah. the way to do it.
3: Yeah, that's the way to do without it without a boat. That's, that's How- an <laughs> Illinois redneck trick right <laughs> there. How do you <laughs>
1: troll without a boat? And everybody scratched their head. Well, now we know. Just walk around the pond. Brilliant. That's
2: Use your two feet. Yeah, <laughs> but we uh, we ice fished. Uh, you know, but we we I was I, I was just as much into fishing as I am hunting now. Mm-hmm. So we had every lure. You know, we yeah. had every 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 gimmick. Every you yeah, know, all that. You kind had to of try stuff. it all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know what the rigs are, but the ones that have like the, the Alabama like rig. Alabama rigs. If they had had those when I was a kid, we'd have been chucking those things into a farm <laughs> pond. Oh know? yeah, we did everything.
1: Uh. Yeah, I don't think I've ever fished with the Alabama rig, but because right about the time it came really popular i didn't fish much anymore and yeah. so it's just like man that'd put a hurting on a lot of fish growing up oh yeah yeah for sure it's trolling in ponds trolling in we need pond. we
3: need to like that's got to be a like how to video on youtube <laughs> the illinois rig is the trolling by walking <laughs> yeah no illinois rig yeah but
2: yeah. we we did we went fishing the other night and i mean we still probably we still have the zebco 33s that oh, i yeah. mean I, it might be the same line, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, from <laughs> when I was in high school. And that was 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we, uh, we really enjoyed it. My brother and I have a younger brother who lives in Kansas City now, and we, we both we both just both loved it. We kind of mm-hmm. lived, you know, we lived, uh, you could r- go out the back door and get on a four-wheeler and go, go fishing. You could, right. you could hunt. You could do all that stuff.
3: Yeah. So, Man, the country that's, life. That's great. That's it. So when it came to hunting, we kind of talked a little bit about it last night. What was the hunting culture growing up here farm boy yeah. illinois
2: well we th- the deer were really kind of rebounding i mean i there my grandpa tells stories about going hunting and if you saw a doe all three days a season that was a big deal mm. uh so you know the deer had had really started the rebound it was it was all shotgun hunting when i was growing up it was it was you know smooth bore shotguns they didn't even have rifled shotguns back then all smooth bore um the, you know you'd go you'd go sit on a bucket or you'd sit on a on a uh, right. uh, in a hedge tree. You'd made a permanent stand like eight oh, feet yeah. off the ground, you know, yeah. and then you'd carry your bucket and sit <laughs> on that, you know. And um, we we'd gun hunt. Uh, we'd go set in the morning, and then everybody would meet up and they'd go do man drives uh, throughout yep. the morning, and then you'd go set in the evening. And uh, Illinois only had a three day gun season then, and I think there was only one season if I remember right. No, there were two. Um, but you would you. That's just how you did it. And when I was in probably early teen 12 13 is when bow hunting got popular we had a guy yep. that had a bow shop in his garage out here and um dad bought one and and, and bought one for me at about the same time and um we we're shooting fingers you know yeah. uh maybe a site or one little site on there but shooting fingers for the most part and big fat you know, aluminum, aluminum arrows and everything. I have a friend and, uh, who used to call
3: them aluminum logs.
2: <laughs> yeah. I shot. I used to shoot them aluminum logs. And that's just how we did it. You know, you'd we um, uh, we we'd build permanent stands and hedge trees and stuff, and and climb up in there and and try to shoot some deer. So. We
1: talked about that this morning while we were walking about the the hand built stands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I, it's almost scary to say, but how. How long was it before you ever wore a safety harness? Oh, man. Climbing up in these hand-built stands. You didn't even think about it. It's terrifying. I I think about having a a kid um, in December and and introducing them to hunting one day, and I'm like, oh, no way. (laughs) (laughs) Not a chance. Not a chance. I mean, golly, the hand-built stands. You were building them in hedge trees. Back home, it was building them in the the forked or the triple forked
2: yep
3: um and you know the winds
2: moving those trees
3: and they're always
2: rattling loose and everything yep yep
1: Yep. and it didn't have
3: a good squeak it wasn't a good stand (laughs) yeah (laughs)
1: yeah right i remember uh i had a a friend of mine that uh we had he had a stand in a forked tree and so at the base of the tree there was just like a little six inch step and then it was like a eight inch step and then it 10 inch step a little bit higher and it just got a little because the tree kind of leaned out so the steps just got wider and wider yeah. and he got up about five foot and he grabbed a step and he's getting ready to go to the next one and the the step just pulled out and he just oh. in in slow motion falling out a tree holding this board like oh, no. looking <laughs> up at the sky right on his backpack and i remember it was like he got hit wind knocked out of him and he's like <gasps> and i'm like you okay and he's like yeah and then I just lost it <laughs> laughing because it was like the funniest thing yeah. just to see this.
3: <laughs> it's a, it's crazy how things change. Oh yeah. And, and the technology and stuff that people are using to make stands and the mm-hmm. variety of stands that we have now. Yes.
2: Yeah. So I was crazy. um, let's see, it would have been three years ago. I was hunting um on mom and dad's place, and my brother and I both went in, and I packed in. I had one of those muddy. Uh, I can't remember the name. But it's one of the light ones mm-hmm. with the 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 uh, Money rope sticks. sticks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, just a just a real super light mm-hmm. hanging hunt with a bracket you put on the tree oh, yeah. and then you pop the stand in, and um, I went out and uh, and and found a tree and it was always there was always this kind of ridge kind of an inside corner on the edge of a field, and it always been good but I I picked out my tree and I get up in it you know and I've got all the. I've got all the gear and all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff and range finders and, you know, all the, all the stuff we have now.
3: You have eight and, eight uh, <laughs> lanyards hanging off your your neck. I am ready. The <laughs> yeah, range finder yeah, crawl binos. I, I
2: got up in the stand and I looked down and right underneath me was one of those old, you know, wooden stands in uh-huh. a hedge tree. And I even post about it on Instagram that night. And oh, then okay. I shot a, a really nice deer, a really nice mm. uh, four-and-a-half-year-old eight-pointer that night. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it's just kind of eye-opening cuz it's like, I mean, I'm like inspector gadget up here and have all my all my stuff right. and there's been probably just as many way more deer stories and probably as many deer killed out of that thing as there was my mm-hmm. stuff, but
1: how far have we come? Long ways.
2: Long ways.
1: And, and then and the and question becomes
3: one, how far will we go before we say we've gone too far? Yeah. I don't know. I, to me we could probably debate that for the rest <laughs> of the afternoon yeah it, there's
1: no any more trees getting cut even though ryan's going to try and drag us out there yeah, we're yeah. Just gonna oh sit yeah. Here. yeah 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 <laughs> did you guys ever recording for an hour it's hour three guys it's yeah
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah those
2: earmuffs make dr- great chainsaw ear chainsaw yeah protection. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll just unplug that cord and go that's, that's right it. oh
1: yeah that's a good idea i forgot my earplugs um <laughs> i've got everything there you i've go. got all the chainsaw Gadget, safety gear that's right that's right and yeah. it's all in the bright orange edition fluorescent <laughs> yeah oh man yeah i think going back to that how far we've come you know when when i tried i've been trying to really focus this summer and, and invite some of my friends that i know don't hunt or or have ever hunted and they always ask like when i say do you want to go hunting they're like ah The biggest hesitation they have is the cost. Yeah. And you look at how I started, and when I first started, it was (laughs) junk rubber boots. uh, Hand-me-downs. Hand-me-down full overalls, coveralls, and uh, forest green. They said they were insulated, but they didn't feel like it. Yeah, and and you sit on the ground with a rifle. It didn't cost a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Now, we have this reputation that you gotta buy a, a gun, a scope, the expensive ammo, yeah. and Camo, it's just like the
3: clothing, the boots, the binos. It adds up super wh- wh- fast. Where's the line? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And I've I've even run into that. There's some of my buddies that have have gotten into hunting later in life. Like my mm-hmm. I'm 36, and they're getting in, in now. And they um, they they do kind of have that expectation, and it is kind of. A, and we've kind of made it that way. Like yeah. we, we talking an awful lot about pretty complicated stuff, and I always mm-hmm. relate it to golf. Like, I'm not much of a golfer. I, I'll go play with buddies every now and then. But, like, I should be able to walk on a golf course in my tennis shoes and, you know, yeah. not not dress scrubby, but, like, a polo and whatever shorts I have laying around and yep. a borrowed pair of clubs and be able to shank whatever I want into the trees That's it. and have a good time. Enjoy. Yeah. And, and, Enjoy the sport. And if I had guys running around, you know, dressed like Payne Stewart and fancy clubs, you know, looking yeah. down at me – I wouldn't golf anymore. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and part of the things we have to take oh, into consideration. Oh, you're not using an
3: old hickory shaft? <laughs> yeah. You're
2: wrong. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look like at, bag, wasn't it Bagger, Bagger Vance? Yeah, Bagger Vance yeah. over here <laughs> with the wooden clubs. Yeah. 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 These guys have like a titanium driver that's like worth more than my truck. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And no kidding. And, um, and... We we kind of have to think about that a little bit as hunters. I think like, so. You know, we really it, do. It would it would really turn me off to golf if that's how it was. Mm-hmm. And um and hunting, you're right. Hunting shouldn't be that way. We didn't start that way. No,
3: we man, <laughs> I came from the very beginning was like very humbling because mm-hmm. my brother's like, well, I kind of grew out of this. You just you just take that. That's yours now. And and yeah. boots that he had broken in and like they fit me. But they weren't molded in my feet, but I was like, it didn't matter, man, I was going yeah. hunting.
1: They yeah. certainly weren't waterproof. I, oh, I know mine oh, weren't. <laughs> the morning dew, by the time I got there, <laughs>
3: my feet were soaked. The feet and were and soaked, like, teeth
1: were chattering. <laughs> yeah, and now you got to sit there for, tr- well, I say sit there for two hours. Uh, uh, hour one, I'm going to be up, kind of walking, like pacing back and forth up to the field edge, like, Dad, where are at? I'm freezing. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder I didn't see anything. But yeah, man, we've come a long ways, that's for sure. I I don't know what, what the direction will be, but I, I know that um, the we need to take the initiative to try to get more people in the outdoors. Shoot, I had that idea, I'll say it again, because I want somebody else to do it. I don't want to jack with it, but like a goodwill for hunters. So it's like full of camo, big and warehouse, full oh, yeah. of bows, used bows, and it's just like a place that when you have all the stuff, you can't store it, you know that... Most of the time, I store old camo
3: because at some point, I'm going to try and find somebody that's yeah. new to it that yeah. can yeah. wear it. Mm-hmm. We need to check the, a website, just Google it, and just say Sportsman's Goodwill because Wednesday of next week, this comes out Tuesday, there will be one. Yeah, I Promise hope. You. I hope. <laughs> because then somebody can just call up and say, I'm, I'm looking I'm, for this. I
1: want to start this. And, and there you go. There's What size are you? Large? All right, here's this. Yeah. Who
3: knows? I want somebody to could do happen. it. It could happen. It could happen. Yeah, I just I think I just think the, I guess one of the other points is everyone talks about access, getting access to you know public ground or just private ground, a place to hunt. And that's important for sure. Um, but to get there, people have to have the resources to be able to try. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the step one is the clothing, the equipment. How can we make it affordable?
1: Yeah. Or how can we get like? Instead of well, I'll give an example. I was trying I have a, our brother-in-law is kind of thinking about wanting to get into bow hunting. He's got an old, old PSC Nova that I think needs new strings. So I was like, I'll just see what, what it's going to cost to, uh, to, for somebody. Surely there's somebody on my, on my Facebook friends that, that uh, has an old bow just sitting around. <laughs> it kind of made me a little bit like, dang, no wonder we're losing hunters. Cause I sent it out there and they're all like, oh yeah, I got this one. And I'm like. That, bo- that bow, that is ten years old, and they're still trying to charge me four hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, what? Oh my gosh! And and then I'm like,
3: bows hold value. Yeah, I guess
1: Perfect. so. <laughs> I guess so. But man, yeah, I, I I do have to say, since I don't think we've said it yet, but we are here in. Illinois on the 40 acres that you bought. We we're set up on Got the it. on the road going into the food plot.
3: We're on site.
1: So if you can hear the cicadas or the bugs behind us, that's what that's what it is. It's not just bad audio. It's the the flies and the yeah, the flies, sweat flies so. and the sw- wiping the sweat off our face, but that's why yours awkward pauses. A second ago, I thought I saw a deer moving across the top. <laughs> I so. thought I just saw
3: one over there, but I didn't. Yeah. So,
2: and we have seen quite a bit. We we yeah. had a hen turkey going. You guys yep. were calling to it. Yeah. We've seen a few deer and.
1: That's right. A that. yeah. couple of fawns. Yep. And yep. Uh, we've really been. I think it's interesting. I want you to share that story of kind of the progression for yourself as far as. At, at first, we all start out as hunters, mm-hmm. or just we're a kid that likes the outdoors and then we become a hunter um but the next would be at what point did it become habitat and thinking about the kind of effect or the footprint that you're leaving on the land
2: well i would say i would definitely say it became way more with ownership i mean Mm -hmm. I, i bought this place in march and I've kind of geeked out on all the habitat stuff. I've listened yeah. to every single one of your podcasts and, and downloaded eBooks and all that kind of stuff. And, <clears throat> um, you, re- you really look at it differently w- when, um, you know, I had a guy out here on you Sunday that and we were title. walking around. Yeah. I mean, every, every tree is either a, 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 a tree stand site or mm-hmm. something I could sell or something I can hinge cut or mm-hmm. something, you know, you, you, we were talking about how complex all this ties together and, Every tree on this place is a is is mine, you know, mm-hmm. and it's and I make decisions with that on how to best bring out the the habitat and make it the best it can be, and I never thought that with a lease, everything's yeah. just a stand yeah. site, you know, yeah, or, yeah. or a limb that's in the way. It's um, a good point. So that was a big part, but you know, Rhett, our little boy, he's two now, and you know, he's gonna have this place one day, maybe, you know, yeah. maybe if we fall in love with it and keep it, um, but you know, it it. Um, it, 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 it it's different owning something because yeah. you know that I'm either going to sell this and buy a bigger piece or I'm going to own it forever. And I want to, I want to see the
3: potential in it. Um, it's like the first car you get. Yeah. You're like, Hey, don't, don't eat in my car. Don't drink <laughs> in my car. You take like really good care of it. Yeah. Cause it's yours. It's, it's that sense of uh, ownership. Like yeah. you said,
2: and it uh and, and the, the decisions you make, on it, even little stuff, are 15 years down the road. How's that going to mm-hmm. affect it? What's that going to do? What's that going to change? You know, um, so it, it really is. I've always loved seeing the potential in everything, um, even whether it's a, you know, a, a sports team I was playing for, or a company I work for, or a client that I have now, or a, a painting. Um, I just obsessed with getting the best out of myself and 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 That's out awesome. of the things that I work on. And in mm-hmm. this land is is no different. So, yeah. Uh, but having a little boy. You know, and you, as you get older, you change. You know, my dad and, and, and mom, they get smarter every every day, you mm-hmm. know, and you start to think about things a little differently as you get older. Right. And, um, Perspective change. It is more about uh, uh, you, you want to make lasting impact rather than just, you know, quick impact. And you want to uh, – you just kind of want to. It 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 sounds kind of cheesy leaving a legacy, but you you do want to leave Dang. a good wake behind you. Does he just
3: crush our motto? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Whoever came with that it is sounds cheesy dumb. when you sounds, when you say the word legacy. Sounds real cheesy if you have legacy <laughs>
2: uh, in, your business in your name. name but, <laughs> yeah, you know, That's I would funny. never be that lame. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, you, but it, that words it's get, a get, It gets thrown oh, yeah. around a lot. It does. Yeah, for sure, it yeah. does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know and. And uh, I, I, I've already started to think about him killing his first deer and first turkey and what that's yeah. going to be like and all that what kind of stuff. What
3: this food plot over the shoulders, like, Yeah. what it's going to hold, the memories that it's going to have yeah. with him.
2: And it's sure. it's weird. You know, you're about to have a, a kid, but... Um, well, not you physically, but yeah. your family is about to have a kid. You're not and showing <laughs> yet, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> You've been running that chainsaw today. That, that's yeah. hard. That's not recommended for pregnant men. <laughs> yeah, for pregnant uh, <laughs> <laughs> Gross. But, um, you know, immediately you start thinking about the future and you start thinking about what he's going to see and experience in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, and you want that to be the best it can be. And, and, um, you, you you immediately it's a shift. You immediately put yourself in a back seat to them. Yeah. And and even with, with land and with hunting and all that. I mean he's two. He's not gonna probably not gonna shoot a deer for another ten years. He's not years pulling maybe, thirty pounds on a compound? No. Yet? Oh. No. He he weighs enough he could, <laughs> but, um, but <laughs> little tank. He is a tank. Uh but you know, you just immediately take a back seat to yeah. that and you start you start making decisions over the long term versus it's way less about, like, you know, we're doing a lot of hinge cutting today. And it's mm-hmm. August. And I know that, like, that's really not going to benefit a ton Yeah. this fall. Yeah. But the next fall it can be awesome or the mm-hmm. next year. And, and you just. Or this next spring
1: even when it starts growing back. Splash. Yeah, flush. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. So you just think way long term. And, yeah. and I've also hit a point even in my career where I start to think a little bit more long term. Yeah. Um, you know you've kind of gotten the you've gotten the plane off the ground uh, right and so you start to think about okay what can what am I going to do that's going to last from here on out so yeah
1: yeah that totally man that kind of was glass shattering moment for me too just thinking about that it's like you no longer think about okay what deer am I going to shoot this fall what what am I going to do to where my kid can continue to hunt here year after year yeah. after year and uh
3: you have like this micro version like a season is like i said uh, which which deer is top on the hit list and then it's a more of a macro view of man i want there to be lots of deer yeah here later yeah. on i want there to be tons of turkeys i want there to be you know great habitat so he can learn from you know all these systems that we're talking about that all re- rely on each other how complex mm-hmm. it is like i want to build that here so that they can learn and experience it yeah. i know one of but our
1: topics that we discussed walking this place has been bush honeysuckle mm-hmm. and if we want to talk about that it's like okay let's say we know bush honeysuckle's there but we're going to say out of sight out of mind and we're not even going to think about it but if we're trying to get our kids involved we know that bush honeysuckle's horribly invasive and it's mm-hmm. not great wildlife habitat mm-hmm. so you know how many different plants did we walk through today and see is like oh there's all there's milkweed there's goldenrod all this stuff and it's like Bush Honeysuckle crowd that stuff out. So if we don't tackle it now when it's somewhat contained and we just let it go, Rhett, what's he going to see when he comes out here? Is he going to see understories yeah. of Bush Honeysuckle? Is that what we want him to think that this understory should be, or should we try to fight back and improve you know that land?
3: kind of weird is that through a, the transition of a lot of invasives just being on properties that we see as some – you know we don't we don't know what like the the natural history of this place used to be like as and we don't we don't see it physically the way it was way back when and that's throughout a lot of properties but like Rhett it, let's just say if this if this did grow up in in honeysuckle Circle he's not gonna experience this what we're seeing right yeah. now it 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 can change that quickly and that drastically
2: yeah. it's changed I I mean I remember you know the the first turkeys that uh, that we ever killed on my parents' place. There there were just ridge tops and open woods where mm-hmm. you know you could see 150 yards and it was right. beautiful. Yeah. And that you literally can't even see that now. It's taken over that quick. And we haven't gone there huh. yet. But there's some places that are yeah 10 12 feet tall. You know, and it's comp- you know it's got a it's got a four inch you know diameter base, all that stuff, and it's it's pretty bad. Hefty ones. So. Not
1: great turkey habitat.
2: No, and Ugh. it it gets it gets it it shades out everything. It's nasty.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible to think about the, the changes, but how quickly mm-hmm. things can turn around. And like I said, in your lifetime, you know, 20 years difference is like, wow, mm-hmm. you've physically seen that.
2: And I think a lot of people like this, this 40 that we're on here doesn't, you know, it's got some of it up on the hillsides, especially in the higher ground. But I think if a lot of people could go back their properties now, if they could go back and they would wish they could get it when it's like this. Oh, cause totally. sure. It, it's it's a lot of work clearing that stuff out like i'm looking over, over your shoulder and seeing a
1: little two inch tall sprig sprig of bush mm-hmm. honeysuckle on one good fire is going to knock that back yeah and you can keep it back with fire and just because it's since it is a non-native it's not adapted to that so it doesn't handle it well yeah um but then you go into those places where it has taken over and it's like there's no there's no fuel below it so yeah. If you do it have period. a fire hot enough to hurt it, oh, my, it's hurt a lot of the landscape. Yeah. So getting on top of it soon is, is
2: definitely important. So so let me ask you this. I'll, I'll turn it around and oh. ask you, oh, oh, you oh, guys we're,
1: we're the Yeah, we're getting interviewed now. <laughs> I, I'm not sure how to so, handle this.
2: But fire, I, I've never known anybody to manage their habitat with fire in the Midwest. I mean, that you know, they'll burn some waterways and some fields and grass mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Off. Um, but, you know. It's obviously, it, it's native you know, to a lot of places. I've never really known it to be yeah. a, a natural process, or I've never seen anybody do it. How would you how would you come in here and, and do that to a place like this?
1: Well, I'll give it a little bit of the background on, on this area. Yeah. When you look at this area, of course, anybody who's kind of studied natural history or the native landscapes knows that Illinois had acres and acres and acres of prairie uh-huh. and But then you go into these river breaks and these channels, which had scattered burrow, savanna, woodland-type landscape. And uh, all that was burned with fire.
3: It was just... These creeks and and river systems, they were all natural fire breaks. Yeah. So fire was throughout all of this. And
1: so a lot of the fires were either by Native Americans or lightning strikes. And so you had all kinds of prairie grass It just went up in flames and it just ripped across the prairie and then it hit these little channels these little draws of of woods and then either ripped across them or crept down in the valleys and then went out and so you had this really fragmented landscape with with big huge oaks and other species around the rivers but then they kind of feathered their way out into the um keyword feathered, just like we always Mm -hmm. talk about but out into the prairie and so you have two native, two natural disturbances. You have grazing and you have fire. And with grazing was with the buffalo. Fire was, as I mentioned, prior. And so you have all these species that are adapted to fire because their species evolved as a fire, if fought off fire, it withstood fire. Mm-hmm. And so that's where these oaks are going to be in here where you send a fire through. They don't even... They're, it's nothing to them but then you have the non-natives like bush honeysuckle and some of these others autumn olive that are just thin barked and they don't know so how yeah. to
3: for instance that bur oak right there and then the hickory i know everyone listening is like wait where <laughs> but right <laughs> yeah. there left of the car look at the differences in bark yeah. okay One's yeah. super thin one's got right there at the base the bark changes and is a lot thicker and and will withstand fire at the base much more than that hickory yeah so yeah. that hickory specifically that right there that's thin thin barked and you're not gonna withstand and you look at it from as much
1: man we just you you really you finished the podcast because um, we've got when you think about how predation works on prey is they usually predate on the weakest fire did that same thing with if there was an oak that had a weak spot in it it made it more susceptible to the fire so then it damaged it and eventually killed that tree to where that, that genetics the genetics of that tree aren't exactly. passed on. So it's like survival of the fittest. Yeah. You have strong oaks that can withstand this passing on the seed for the next generation. And so uh, fire is just in this landscape. To me, how would I burn it? I would look at it and say, okay, most of the time these fires were either going to be creeping down the slopes, or occasionally you'd get a head fire that would really scream up and kill some trees, Uh, but then that just opened up the canopy for more beneficial early successional plants that kind of make that diversified landscape. So when we look at, at managing a property with fire, we say, how can we break this up to where we have different stages? How can we fragment this a little bit more? Because not all fires, since we had these fire strike lightning strike lightning. sorry uh, fires they don't burn like your dormant season where it's just whoosh, you have a completely black field you have spots where it's a little more maybe there's more moisture or there's species that are are a little more it's green it's a diverse fire and yeah, so expect- it kind of just yeah. creeps through a little bit more and so if you break it up and you burn this one half one year and then the next year you burn the next half and then the next year you don't burn and then the next year you burn in a growing season rather than the last fire being a dormant season you start getting this diversification of species yeah and so for me i would look at it it's okay how can we make the biggest the biggest bang for our buck here how can we okay. make big units and it would be that's why i ask you about a four-wheeler of like if you can somehow get a get a trail maybe we go through with a weed eater and uh or we wait till the frost knocks all this stuff down and we go through with leaf blower and and a weed eater, and we just kind of clear it out. We do that all around the perimeter and tie it into the creek. Four to foot wide swath of just bare dirt. Yeah. With okay. a leaf blower, yep. and it's just
3: blow out the leaves, and then we're gonna light it and let it creep down the slopes. Yeah. And you've got a you've got a creek that runs right through the middle. That's a natural fire break. You mm-hmm. could do the top half one year, and then the other the south half. Yeah. Or break it up even more if you wanted to. Yeah. But with a leaf blower and manual labor around the border and the creek system, you've got a natural fire break right there to be able to use and you've yeah. got
1: that big turn it's it's weird you've got the neighbors to the east it's got that overgrown field to me which would go off like a stick of dynamite in the <laughs> <and> season. <laughs> and you're like i don't want a fire <laughs> yeah, over yeah, there yeah. so but thankfully you have the big turn in the creek to where that whole side along that field is just a creek Pretty much so a you catch. don't even have to burn that side it's just a creek mm-hmm. so you could get away with yeah only burn in the north side and the south side and not have to burn more on the yeah. on the east side so that's how i would handle it and, and yeah and all the time there's there's like this big challenge i guess in everyone's head is how can i have let's just simplify it and say how can i have big deer to hunt on a limited budget how can i get the goals i want but i don't have the money to dump into feed every week or or food plots everywhere and All this other stuff that we believe is the responsible for growing big deer. How can I get that with only $500 worth of yearly supplies or $1,000? And it's like the biggest bang for your buck here in a lot of places. When you look at what this property is—95, 97% Mm -hmm. timber—we got to manage timber, and one of the things we can then manage the timber on, and manage the entire property as fire. Mm-hmm. So the timber, as we talked today, there's some value in these trees. So you can actually make some money, but then open up the canopy and get some more beneficial plants and cover forage for the wildlife. And then you can all keep that at a at a beneficial state with the fire mm-hmm. and control the invasives all in one fell swoop. To me, you look at this thing, and although you've got a food plot in here, it's going man. That's a that's a hunting strategy but I'm really helping the deer by doing timber yeah, harvest, yeah. TSI and burning vases. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: that's one that. of the things that we talked about. You know, you look on a map and this place it, it's pounded with trails all the way oh, through man, it, and it's, 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 it's a got highway. it's a it's a it's a hub for everything. But you know, I'd like it to be more than that. I'd like mm-hmm. it to really hold some deer and sure. and I'd like to have some cover and I you know, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, uh, shotgun hunters around here. Um, right. And I'd really love to have some, some, some thick stuff, some sanctuary. Absolutely. That's band. it. Yeah. When, so. Especially
1: when you look at management and you say, okay, what can I provide to the wildlife? What do they need? They need a lot of woody browse. They need a lot mm-hmm. of that early secessional plants. Um, they need cover. They need a, something to keep them safe. And you drive around and there's not a lot of it. You have open oh, field no.
3: or unmanaged timber.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so, okay, by doing TSI and... and and uh, fire you're going to get all that yeah and uh man and then you add in the bedding thickets or the really heavy tsi areas and you have these big thickets to where a lot of your deer can hide hide be safe during shotgun season mm-hmm. so
3: or it's, it's just the best place around there, there's yeah. really no other option
2: yeah
1: are you planning yeah. on hunting during shotgun season
3: no
2: but my dad will okay. my dad and my brother will be out here yeah 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 they'll so. be
3: doing their man drives
1: <laughs> no. But well, but even
2: you know we were even talking about um, some of the legacy stuff earlier. Like I think it'd be cool if Dad killed one out here. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean I yeah. hunted his. He's made the farm payments and farmed it. I've yeah. just hunted it, but it'd be cool if if he could kill one out here and it'd sure. kind of be
3: like you know, yeah. returning the favor returning the favor. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, he's going to really kill deep. the first good deer, and he say, okay, now we're even. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm sure he will. <sighs> he kills one like he has in the that bedroom, he's going to
2: bring his bucket down and sit on a food plot, and he's going to kill one, and then he's going to make fun of me for it. Like, That's right. All yep. that money you spend on stands, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, <laughs> and I just bring my bucket down and shot one.
3: My, my <laughs> well. olive green, spray-painted white bucket. Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. So, I- wh- what... What does hunting season look like for you then? This
2: this fall? Well, we uh, I get really busy in the fall working with uh, with outdoor industry yeah. companies getting new products ready. Everybody's getting ready for Shot Show and ATA, and so one of the one of the things that I've done is is um, I try to do about ten days um, up here in, during the rut, like the second week. Second, usually I'll come up about the third, fourth, fifth of November. Um, and, and really just go all in there. Well, I'll hunt a little bit around the house, but you know, um, we don't have family in town. So my wife, Kim, she works too. And so mm-hmm. we're kind of hustling, having a family and everything. And, um, I got to take care of my clients, got to take care of them. And I'll hunt a little bit around, um, uh, North Carolina, right. close to home. Uh, but from, I don't really travel a whole lot though. And I'll, I'll, I'll try to make one trek up here and just go all in, um, up here and work a little bit from a laptop. Yeah, um, And then from there, uh, I may come up and do a little late season. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we're not that far from Indianapolis or Louisville where the ATA show oh, yeah. is, so I may come up and hunt a late, late yeah. Uh, season. Yeah, I but. forget
1: it's going to be at Louisville this mm-hmm. year. That's but, That would work out. Yeah.
2: So that's kind of the, the, the fall. It's a pretty busy time, mm-hmm. but, you know... Deer hunting has always been a super important part of my life, and I just wouldn't yeah. miss the rut. And it, it really it influences so many so many ideas for paintings. Oh, you know, sure, yeah. I've got a, yeah. a buck making a scrape um, that I've even got prints of that 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 was inspired by a hunt in Knox County over there. Okay, yeah. Um, so you know, you never know what you're going to see or. You know how it's going to inspire artwork. So right. it's kind of a—it's really a, kind of an important time for me to be up here and take a breath and, mm-hmm. and enjoy it. So
3: rejuvenate and get those ideas for the next the next mm-hmm. year, which yeah. is cool because, you know, the ideas that you get, you know, for for artwork, I mean, they are real life scenes. Yeah. Like you've experienced them most likely, or taken scenery and and um, added added wildlife into it. But it, that's that's I think the value of and the quality of the work that you do is, and it's real. Yeah. You just replicate, we replicate nature with the habitat and you replicate nature in your artwork, mm-hmm. you know, it's just natural. That's your it. tools
2: are way more manly than mine though. <laughs> you have <laughs> chainsaws and stuff and I have like paint Poor brushes.
3: brushes. <laughs> yeah, but half
1: the time our work, people don't even notice sometimes <laughs> and they'll always stop and admire a good painting. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Yes, I have some buddies of mine, and they're all, you know, they do landscaping and grading and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. They're like, yeah, we're going to Johnson City to buy a bulldozer today. What are you doing? Oh, I've got to go to Michael's to buy some paintbrushes and <laughs> canvas. <laughs> yeah, I, and half the time when we
1: replicate nature, people go, oh, my gosh, it looks terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's nothing but brush. Yeah. And it's like not, not. Uh, quite, but it, I could see where you might say that. Yeah. But I'll promise you, the wildlife is doing better than they were happening. before I got here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, what inspired your your uh, logos as far as the
2: arrowhead and the buffalo? Oh, yeah. Well, um, so I uh, kind of rebranded my business a few years ago, and 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 really, um, you know, artists and artists have been telling the story of the hunt since the beginning of time, mm-hmm. and and we really have seen that, you know uh cave artists. You know, uh, they 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 told the story of the hunt. They not mm-hmm. only communicated to future generations, but I really did. They believe they did it because they just loved it. They loved the chase. Yeah. And I mean, I've never seen a, a a piece of cave art that was a little was a spike elk or a <laughs> basket rack. You know, it's always a bunch of cows or yeah. does, and then a giant you know antlered animal. Um, and so my logo is just a, a throwback to that. That cool. uh, that that even though I'm I'm living in modern times and have modern tools, uh, I'm still doing the same thing we did way back then. You know, enjoying timeless. the hunt and, and and telling the story of the hunt. It's a it's a timeless relationship. It really is. That's it's cool. it's it's lasted forever. And then when I was doing some research on the logo, um, a lot of times when the animals were actively being hunted, they put a red slash in the side of them. Did that was either they either thought that was a spear or a, a blood yeah. running down the animal, and so that's what the uh, the is s- here. Splash kind of, of color at. in there, but too. it's also a paintbrush. In reverse, yeah, that was kind of simple. Hidden meaning into it. Oh yeah, it there, so. that's
1: interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I always wondered because I don't think you see many buffalo in North Carolina.
2: No, 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 <laughs> no. The, uh, and there's you know a lot of uh, where we live is kind of a second home type destination. Yeah. A lot of people from Florida have second homes in the yeah. mountains there, and they, they just, they come up and they decorate their mountain home, and mm. they'll buy decorations with moose on it, you know, yeah, and it's like, yeah. there's not a moose within like <laughs> a thousand miles of right oh, here, right you here. know, yeah. yeah. Um, there, we do have black bears, but everybody wants to de- mm. decorate their mountain home, and moose, and black bears, and stuff like that, yeah. so, huh. so what's your favorite animal to paint? Well, I, I really like to stick with animals that I know, and right. So I don't I don't do like a lot of African big game and, and you're not and a giraffe painter. And, no no. <laughs> I don't a have lot of canvas on us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh but so I, I really like to stick to deer, elk, turkey, stuff like that. Um, and one of the main reasons is because, you know, like I said, you work with a lot of reference photos and and, and, and mostly hunters are, are my audience. Yeah. And if you paint things that are inauthentic, people can tell. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of times if I paint species, I don't know, or I haven't hunted, um, say in, say in the reference photo, like the, the leg is awkward, you know, yeah. just animals take bad photos just like mm-hmm. people do sometimes, yeah. you know, and if you don't have the knowledge to kind of fill that in mentally and, and portray that accurately on canvas, people can tell you're just painting a reference photo, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and so I, there was a, a, a painting I saw years ago. Uh, and it always drives me nuts when people paint the deer family, the buck and doe and fawn together, (laughs) you know, and it's like, (laughs) that doesn't happen, you know, I mean, that (laughs) never happens. Um, But uh, a guy had painted uh, a buck and a doe and a fawn, and the buck is in hard antlers and surrounded by flowers, and it's like a summer scene, you know, and anybody that deer hunts looks at that and it's like,
1: No, you know that's not. What park is that? That's not it. You know, it's a Hollywood painting. Yeah, Yeah, that's what uh, drives me nuts when you watch those movies. It's like, ugh, like when they have the hunting scene or whatever. It's like this (laughs) looks terrible. Animals don't (laughs) die like that. Yeah, Yeah. just flop, just. I think uh, (laughs) what movie was that? American Sniper, where him and at the beginning of the movie. The deer is like, oh, my
3: gosh, please, like, <laughs> golly, make it look real. Yeah, mm-hmm. Man, yeah. drives me nuts. That's so inauthentic or non-authentic, whatever the word is. Yeah. But, yeah, people see that right away. People like, see it right away. Yeah. And, and
2: I really, I, I, I like to paint things I'm passionate about, you yeah. know, because, like, a turkey feathers can be a grind, and if it's not mm-hmm. worth it, like, I'm not going to do it. So um, I really stick with those. Uh, I would honestly say elk are probably my favorite to paint. Okay. Just because the scenery that they're in lends itself to being really cool mountains or, sure. you know, valleys and stuff like that. And also, they're a big animal. Um, they've got a large rack, and, and there's just a lot you can really do with something like that. They're kind of yeah. an epic animal. They're, yeah, they're, they're really, really cool. uh symbolic animal. Um, but whitetails and turkeys, too. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I, I, I think elk would be my favorite to paint, though.
1: Have you finished cool. the piece that I've seen you, you talking about? It's like... A big piece. Your yeah, painting. Yeah, I did a,
2: a commission for a guy uh, from North Carolina. It's done. Um, I haven't posted it yet, but uh, it, it it's approved. We're just getting it getting it framed up. And that, so that was it, a, he's Southwest
1: a, Turkey, right?
3: Yeah. Southwest. Yeah, that was uh,
2: he. He killed two Merriams in Arizona, oh, and wow. wanted to do a big painting for his gun room. Cool. So this is a it's a three foot by four foot canvas. Boy. So it'll be pushing four feet by five feet framed. Mm. Um, it's a big one. And it's for his gun room, but he wanted, so it's got like the buttes and the, it's got, I put a river in the background and stuff and it's pretty cool. It's a, it's a different, something different. Yeah. So, but he's, uh, he's been a repeat buyer and a good, Mm -hmm. good customer and good guy. So cool. We need to hook him up with Landon Legacy. Hey,
1: that's Here we go. Yeah. (laughs) There we go.
3: Oh, he's got
2: several farms and this, this painting is for his, uh, uh, cabin on one of his farms at the coast. Okay. Uh, So.
3: East Coast? East Coast. Yep. Yep. Cool
2: deal.
1: Hmm. So, as we try to wrap this thing up, we've got would-you-rathers. I'm going to ask you a would-you-rather. Hmm. When you think about keeping with that trend, when you think about taking your son to, on his first hunt, are you going to try to introduce him in kind of a advanced, like, we're going to see deer, they're probably going to be in range, or do you like the idea of going, okay, we're going to go out and sit on the ground and do it just like I did it? Mm. To deer drives
2: and kind of introduce him to that. I will go, I will keep it fun. So yeah. I, would, I would, if you asked me would you rather, I'd do it the second way. Yeah. I would do it the second way. Same way you did it. Same way I did it. Because yep. he... Right now, throwing a stick in the woods is an adventure to him, Yeah, and, yeah. and everything is going to progress later, but the last thing I want to do is be like, sit down and shut up, boy. Oh, you yeah. know, like, I just oh, yeah. do not want to do so that. Turn him so turn off right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we'll keep it fun, and we'll spook a ton of deer off right <laughs> out of the gate, like we do already, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, lots I, of the, what is he, not to interrupt you, but he does the the deer blowing. Oh, and yeah, and <laughs> he'll do He'll go, yeah, um, he'll, uh, you'll ask him, what's a deer do? And he'll go, meh. And I'll, I'll go, what's a deer do when you spook him? And he'll stomp and go, whew, <laughs> <laughs> So we we know what a deer does already. Yeah. Uh, but he, he does a turkey. He's got a really good owl hoot that's yeah. pretty that's awesome. priceless. I think that's <laughs> why,
1: that's probably, I love the paintings, but I get a kick out of in the spring when you were going out scouting oh with, yeah. you, with him. The and porch. Yeah. Your stories yeah. where you'd be on the porch hooting, and then he'd go, He'd make his sound. Oh man, his face <laughs> just always cracked me up.
2: Yeah. I'm gonna turn that around on you. What would you rather do? I do have a would. Would you rather for both of you? Okay. Oh.
1: Um. Probably same thing. Yeah. 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 I I think that's why I got hooked on it so much. I and I think that if you start out, now I could be wrong, and and I don't think there's a wrong or a right, but um, when I think about introducing somebody to to hunting where you sit down and you're just going to see tons of deer you may not mm-hmm. The you to me them. the the work isn't there yeah. to where it's kind of a spoiled like where you don't really appreciate all the times of of not seeing things yeah. to where when you finally do it's way more of an accomplishment than oh yeah well i don't that's know? normal and i, I think I, my dad did this with me when i was a kid that kind of makes me really want to do that with my kids or um uh, and that is Making me pick the spots too. Once mm-hmm. I started kind of understanding, he would say, "Where you want to go?" And I'm sure there was days where I picked the spot where it was the last place he wanted to go, but we went there anyway because I was trying to learn how to yeah. be a, a woodsman.
3: That's right. So, well, and not only that, but we shoot, We've talked about it. Is for you, you started quail hunting, and I was squirrel and rabbit hunting. And it's like that's not nearly the same instance of setting a blind, staying there, being quiet. You're mm-hmm. up. You're walking around. You hear dogs running, and here comes a rabbit, and you're, you're there's squirrels. Like you can kind of get away with that. It's just it's higher energy. Yeah. And you do see stuff, but it you you make that transition. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He, he'll enjoy just sitting in the woods and watching squirrels and chipmunks and stuff oh, like yeah. that. And he'll well, I, you know, I'll, I'll teach him. Uh, you yeah. know, but um, we'll, we'll we'll progress into it gradually because mm-hmm. I last thing I want to do is burn him out. I want to make sure yeah, it's fun. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, for absolutely. What do you uh at what age is he going to be able to go legally? I I know like in Missouri now you can legally shoot at 6. Yeah. But to me I I didn't get to actually shoot till I was 12, I believe, yeah. in Missouri when I was yeah. growing up. So there was a long time there where I was just going with dad. Yeah. And yeah. uh shoot, I enjoyed that just as much as shooting. Oh yeah. So yeah. it didn't really matter. We,
2: um, I'm not sure there's there's um, an age limit on it, um, in North Carolina. But I'll probably I think it depends on the kid. I think yeah, I sure. think I think if we had two kids they may be two different ages, but prob one thing I don't wanna do is is just hold the gun and and aim it for him and mm-hmm. you know He's sitting there sleeping, and I nudge him and tell him to yeah. wake up and get on my lap, and I'll hold it and everything, and we pull the trigger. To, I'm not doing that stuff. Like yeah. I want to make sure that he's ready and he and can handle the gun on his own, s- and aware of what it means, and aware of what it means exactly, exactly, mm-hmm. aware of what he's doing, and and he's gonna gut it, and he's gonna get bloody, and and I want yeah. I want him to I want him to I want him to feel that sense of accomplishment too. I mean I sure. don't. I'm not going to shoot free throws for him when he's playing
3: basketball, you yeah. know? Like, Great you point, know, he yeah. have to yeah.
2: he's going to have to learn how to do it himself and and um so I I'm, I'm not really sure, hadn't really thought about it yet, but probably 10 to 12 somewhere in there. But mm, I'm yeah. I'm like you, I don't think I carried a gun until I was 12, 11 or 12 maybe. Yeah. But Yeah.
1: And I and I think for me because I didn't I wasn't as focus on actually killing harvesting the animal yeah it was more just out outdoors so yeah. i enjoyed just sitting there and, and walking through the timber as much as anything and so at a, as a young for me i don't know i some kids may be different but the first time i killed something it was kind of a whoa that just got real and i think and i'm worried about if that happened to me at six or seven it may have put a bad taste in my mouth to where mm-hmm. it's like, oh. At that point in my life, I was still like, I love animals. Like, I didn't <laughs> I didn't comprehend. <laughs> they're all
3: fluffy. Yeah.
1: It, they're all Bambi. I, I didn't comprehend the, the magnitude of what I was doing. The reality yeah. of killing yeah. it. Yeah. yeah.
3: Harvesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So,
3: what do you got, Matt? Would you rather? You got anything? I, I know d- you're a big turkey hunter. hmm And you've hunted in lots of different places. But... What's like? What is the? Or, or guess? Would you rather hunt Wyoming or South Florida? I know you've been to Florida for turkeys. For turkeys.
2: That's a tough one because we got a really good spot in Florida. Ah. <laughs> I am, well, but what I'm what I'm getting at is, are we talking public or private or what? Just
1: talking hunt. Just, hunting, just talking hunt.
3: You can yeah. hunt. You can hunt. Man, they're I both mean, equal well, places. I, I haven't hunted much
2: hunts. out west. I, I'd probably go out west. Yeah, yeah.
1: Have you yeah. been
3: out west much? Uh-uh. not really.
1: Matt just got back from being out west for the first time ever. <sighs> need to do. It's it. awesome, isn't it? My gosh, yeah. that's cool. We need to All plan right. an elk trip together.
2: No, that might be alive. sweet. Just so here's a here's a would you rather. You guys have, you have to spend five hundred dollars on a print for your house. Oh, would you rather buy, an Elk, a deer, a turkey, or a quail?
1: Peace. I, oh,
3: wow. Yeah, great, 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 great question. But my wife would probably have to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They um, are important in the buying yeah. decision. I Dang. I would probably go turkey, honestly. Turkey. I love the spring grain up. Man, that's a that's a beautiful time of year. I love strutting turkeys. The contrast yeah. between that and them black and green. Oh, yeah. love it,
2: love it. How about you?
3: It it may come as a shock, <laughs>
1: but I'm gonna probably go with the quail, and really? here's why. Um, to me, the quail symbolizes so, the beginning for me. It it kind of I mean we have videos where I'm like three or four running around not even carrying a gun not really caring about the quail but seeing watching the dog and throwing sticks in the creek and rocks in the creek and that kind of was the very beginning for me and habitat speaking with everything we do and the quail are struggling to where there's kind of like when i see a quail i think of the future of okay i'm i'm bringing that thing back to the farm yeah and so a print mm. would be it would be a really good reminder of where i want to be yeah. so yeah, it my grandpa um on my on my mom's side has kind of been my fishing buddy for a long time mm-hmm. and he was the quail hunt guy. Him and my dad hunted together and so like that was the hunting where grandpa who wasn't a deer hunter, a turkey hunter, that was the hunting where he was involved. And mm-hmm. so there's kind of this whole
3: the all the men in in that side of the family together hunting. So yeah, yeah definitely That's the cool. quail. Yeah. You know I I was sorry, I was smiling if I distract you, but you said, I'm bringing quail back, and my mind went to Justin Timberlake's song, I'm bringing sexy back, and we're going to make a spoof, it's like, I'm bringing quail back. Oh, God. (laughs) 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 That would be awesome. Yeah,
1: so that's kind of a a big goal on the family farm, and that's why we're so focused on native grasses and wildflowers. and all the, hab- the woodland and savannah restorations is because that's the habitat that I know the quail can be back in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so one of these and days – And the, we
3: heard some last weekend.
1: We heard some last weekend. We also uh, – we had a covey there this past winter. And so we know at some point they're going to come back. Yeah. I'm yeah. determined it's going to happen. Yeah. And uh, and it's kind of one of those things that there's not a lot of places in the country where you can just go and, and uh, somebody's coming down the road. Yep. Um, sure. It's not one of those places where you can just go and hunt quail. Yeah. And so my dream is to have this, this farm where it's set up where you can have in guests and then we all say, okay, what do you want to do in the morning? Do you want to go deer hunting? Or you want to go quail hunting? And we go quail hunting and maybe yeah. we jump in a stand that afternoon. Yeah. Or we deer hunt and then that afternoon the conditions aren't right. We say, ah, well, let's just go quail hunting. Yeah. And people can appreciate that, that hunt yeah. because yeah. I know people love duck hunting for the fact that you can laugh conversation and joke around mm-hmm. but sometimes sitting in a duck blind gets cold <laughs> and it gets pretty slow but at least duck or quail hunting you can be walking around and being like man look at that look at that big buck rub right over there or yeah. you jump up a buck and you're like oh man look at that and then you go and shoot some quail or you get yeah. to see the dog work and yeah to me there's so much that we miss with without quail hunting but it's just one of those sad reminders of of the change in the landscape but anyway um that pretty well wraps up this podcast yep, we sure thank does. you so much for coming appreciate on it. it's yeah. it's it's always fun to catch you up and it's i think in in the past six years our conversations have always been a 10 minute hey you're at the ata hey yeah. well hey, man yeah. how's everything going or through facebook messaging so it's great to finally hang out yeah and Sit and down and see and the new farm talk.
2: And, and talk so it's uh, it's awesome to be here and i appreciate you guys helping out and uh, you know one of the things too is just as is as, as life gets busier, and I've I've found that just hiring experts is a is a, a thing that I do now yeah. for taxes for yeah know, and yeah. and to work with you guys it it, it opens my eyes tremendously to stuff awesome. and it, I've just found yeah. that, that that working with people that really know what they're doing, it, even more so than you know watching YouTube videos and stuff yeah. like that which all that information is is available but to be able to work with you guys is is awesome and eye opening. I appreciate, so, appreciate that. that. Yeah, you know,
1: for sure. So. Anyway, well, I guess we better get back to the chainsaw. That's, That's right. right.
3: It's calling our <laughs> name. Thanks for listening to another episode of Land and Legacy's Hunting and Habitat Management Podcast. If you like what you hear, check us out at landandlegacy.tv. You can submit a viewer question right there, and we're answering on the podcast. Or find us on Facebook and Instagram.
1: Feels pretty good knowing that from the beginning of time, God has called us to be a caretaker, gamekeeper, a manager of the land. So with that being said, don't you think we should do it all for the love of the land and the glory to God?